LinkedIn, but not live on the <laughs> There we go. Okay, sorry. It's like lovely technical difficulties here. Okay, no let's let people join in here a little bit here. Hi, everyone. And we'll get started here just a second. Now we've got, got people joining. There we go. So thank you for joining us on another one focused live where I've got Brandon Butler and Jim Day of Pacific Artisan Labs. If you just type into the chat where you're joining us from, whether it's your lunch hour or you guys on the West Coast over there just getting your coffee started, where are you coming from? Over here. Hi, Joe. What are you doing in Colorado over there on the road show? New York, Massachusetts. Oh, that's exciting. Congrats, Joe. Okay, I think we've got some people on here, so we'll go ahead and get started. So thank you again for joining us. So we're gonna be talking today about how we can own more than just our practices and really double down and invest in what we do on a daily basis. So Brandon, just give us a little quick introduction about who you are and what brings you here today. Sure, thanks. First of all, I wanna thank you for having us uh, on uh, the webinar and podcast today. It's, a, it's an honor to be here. My name is Brandon Butler. I'm the President and CEO of Pacific Artisan Labs, Peak Artisan Labs, and the Artisan Lab Network. Um, you know, we're an independent lab network that most people know in the industry. I've been around 23 years doing this. And um, yeah, we're going to talk a lot about how you can get involved in, in not only lab ownership, but controlling your own destiny and independence and the importance of it. And we're going to cover some cool stuff today. So happy to be here. Awesome. And Jim, a little history of you. Yeah, I, um, I've been in the industry for a long time. I actually uh, crossed paths with Brandon at Hoya many years ago, and uh, the, uh, the universe works in mysterious ways, and we <laughs> joined uh, together in 2021 when he brought me in with Rachel uh, as part of his team as we started exploring a way to uh, expand our footprint throughout the entire country. And uh, Dr. Rue, we, we appreciate you letting us come and join. We're, we're passionate about what even you're doing with Dr. Contact Lens, since it's really very similar to what we're doing, trying to uh, ensure that ECPs are connected directly to their patients and the big corporations don't get in the way. So this is gonna be a lot of fun. I look forward to this conversation. Awesome. And then a little bit about me. I practice in South Florida and have gotten to really know Jim and Brandon, just on really bridging that gap of being, you know, practicing optometrist, running a busy practice, having employees, having an optical, trying to keep up with the times, and just multiple conversations really have led to this relationship with an introduction from Joe DeMaria. So if you've not even checked out his tech, super cool tech that he's doing on helping mm -hmm. us really bridge this gap and taking care of patients. So there's a little shout out to Joe on there. Um, he actually was our um, the rep of Gen Tavisa 
um, for a very long time. So that's how I know Joe. So, you know, LA to Florida, like this industry, as we all know, is super, super small, <laughs> um, which is also really cool. And then I'm coming off just being in Texas, actually. So glad I could make it because I almost got stuck in Houston last night. Yeah. But what we were at the Texas State Optical Show. And what was really exciting is just really seeing kind of owners take more ownership. Um, I heard somebody say, you know, most optometrists own a job, not a business. And that really kind of opened my eyes of kind of what we're going to be talking about more today. And so are you owning a job or are you owning a business? And how can you put processes in place and really get people behind you that really are having your mission in mind? Um, so let's jump right into it. So I'm going to share my screen here and any questions along the way, feel free to go in it. So we just kind of keep this light and airy. So I am the co-founder of Dr. Contact Lens. So if you've not checked us out, um, you can reach out to us at drcontactlens.com and we'll send you some things afterwards. So today what we're going to be focusing on is how we can own more than just our practices and really the power of partnering with companies that profit your patient and your practice. And I know this is one area that Brandon and Jim are very passionate about, especially with their history um, and really kind of opening our eyes to what else is out there and how we can honor it. Um, so again, Brandon and Jim, thank you for being me or being with me here today. So I'm going to throw this over to you, Brandon, to start. Lab Got ownership. It. We already sell optical. It makes up about 60 to 65 to 70% of what we operate on and how we are able to take care of our patients. So why should we not be really getting a piece of the action and double down on what we already know? How can we do this? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's we, you know, we created a business model, I guess it's been five years ago now with Pacific Artisan Labs here in Portland. And it was directly related to that, that question, right? Is um, how do we get the doctors more involved and also to utilize more independent laboratories across the network? And, and our model was, it, one, it was created for us to be competitive. We knew coming out as a brand new independent lab, we had to have a different strategy that was going to make us relevant and, you know, not just the Portland market, but the Pacific Northwest and then eventually national. And uh, when I created the business model, it was, you know, I, I thought that presenting doctors with the ability to have equity ownership in the laboratory uh, in exchange for exclusivity on the work made the most sense in the world, right? Basically, it's just a big for-profit co-op that we created. And it, it, if you actually break it down to its simplest form, it's it's um, ha having access to a revenue stream that you never did before at the practice level. I mean, a lot of the big labs and the big corporations, they offer you gimmicky discount price lists and rebates and all this stuff. But when we came out with our business model, it was like true lab ownership in the lab. And it was a you know, a, a for-profit co-op that everybody wins at the end of the day. It's probably the, the truest definition of stakeholder capitalism that you could look at where we all come up collectively together, right? So we went out and we sought independent doctors and, and we said, look, you know, if you if you buy equity in the laboratory and give us exclusivity, you're not going to profit just on your own jobs coming into the lab, but on every job coming into the lab. And where that really benefits the practices, it gives you the opportunity to recognize, again, a revenue stream that you never had coming into before. So at the end of the day, all you're doing is just changing laboratories and making an investment. But now you're getting a return back and you don't have to see any more patients. You don't have to um, uh, open up a second location, anything like that. You're actually getting a true return back on your work, you know, and with that comes also the advent of service and the rest. Uh, 
when we look at the industry as a whole and we consider kind of the totality of how this industry is going, especially by way of consolidation lately, it's more important than ever before to find a true partner that shares your vision as an independent, right? If you are truly independent and staunch about your independence, then why are we continuing to support corporations that are, are not, they're multinational companies. They're not from this country. They outsource a lot of work to other countries and, and you're not getting a piece of that pie. You're not seeing that reduction in cost. By partnering with independent laboratories, even if it's not by way of the equity model, you're, you're supporting that entire um, you know, eco ecosystem, that financial ecosystem of independence, which makes us all stronger. And um, you know, when we created our model, we had no idea that it was going to take off to the degree that it that it did. You know, we wanted to open this lab and be a 300 job a day lab and do those 300 jobs really, really, really good. And that was really our focus. Consolidation really kind of pushed us into where we're at now, where we got so much feedback from doctors across the whole country that wanted to be a part of our model because they saw the full circle revenue benefit to what we were doing. That's why we're opening up more labs to pro provide more equity opportunities for docs. And the results have been phenomenal. I mean, you're doing nothing more than switching laboratories and making that investment, but your practice profitability is now going through the roof by way of distributions. Awesome. And Jim, you coming from other laboratories, what attracted you to this model, kind of getting that peek behind the curtain and seeing what was happening. Um, why was that important for you? Yeah, I looked at it from a bit of a different direction. You know, this is a lot more than just making money for, for practice, becoming an equity owner, for instance. It's, it's the opportunity for them to begin to take back control, to define what the quality of, of product that they're supposed to get is supposed to be and what they, what they want to serve their patients with, uh, identifying service levels. Uh, it, it gives the power back to the practice. And that's something I've been trying to find different ways to, to, to bring to practices for, for many, many, many years. But existing inside a corporate environment, there's so many constraints. It's not uh, practice first, it's, uh, it's business first. And uh, so, so we wanted to make it very clear we didn't want to play puppeteer. With the, with the practices. We wanted the practices to do what they do best, treat patients. And that's what drew me in here, as well as Brandon's intense passion for this, because you could tell instantly that uh, he believes what he says, and there's nothing more uh, comforting than working with a company that's just all about truth and transparency. And uh, that's, what, that's what we have over here. So um, okay. it, it passes onward to practices. They see that uh, and repeat it every single day to us. And I yeah. think, Brandon, you kind of hit on something there that I want to double down on, where we were so kind of coaxed into this rebate game or let me see your price list and I can beat it. Or if you move something for a product line. So I want people to really understand the whole rebate game, right? If you go buy a TV and they're like, oh, you get this rebate, right? We're all kind of on that mission of this whole save money to make money thing, right? It's been shoved down our throats from optometry school that this is all about a savings game. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the wrong way to look at it. You said another kind of heard of an investment, right? You're making an investment in your practice for something that you already know and do. I know most optometrists like, I'm terrified of the optical, right? Because you have all these moving pieces um, of all these different price, the contact lens, where you buy it for X, you sell it for Y, exactly what you made from the vision plan. These vision plans make it so 
confusing. And I think mm -hmm. that's what's special about your laboratory is really teaching the doctor about that business where they're actually owning the business, not just a job. And then like I saw it this weekend as there was a bunch of frame companies there, right? And so many doctors are just like, don't look, don't look, don't look, don't look, right? When we walk by these exhibit halls, because it's something that we just, some of us love the optical and most of us don't. And we're relying <laughs> on our sales reps to help us teach that. And then they come in with this rebate check that you may get, you may not, you have no idea what rebates you got or these pair of fifties that they play with, right? Mm -hmm. How have you guys made that more transparent? Well, I, I think priceless games are something that anybody that's been in this industry on the wholesale side, like especially people like Jim, who's, who's been in sales forever and you know was at a corporation for 18 years prior. And I've worked for a bunch of the multinational companies as well. And I, I see the way they play these games. And it, it's a bait and switch move at the end of the day. And I think everybody is aware of that. I think people are looking for the simplest avenue to go down to um, you know, again, the optometrist or the ophthalmologist typically doesn't get involved in the optical, right? So they just want the simplest path of resistance so they can go back to doing what they do best and that's serving the patient. But at the end of the day, what a lot of people don't realize, and, and Jim can capitalize on this comment too when I'm done, is that it's not, you, they may say you're getting a 40% discount or you're getting a rebate of X coming back, but you're not realizing that they're increasing the price on all these other line items that you're not zeroed in on, right? So at the end of the day, it's a wash. We simplified our, our prices, right? Our price is our price, and this is what it is. And we're not the most expensive lab, and we're also not a value lab, right? We're competitive. We're competitive with the market. And, and our goal was to come in and not only offer a very transparent you know, uh, relationship and uh, transaction with the customer, but we, we also wanted to empower them. You know, consolidation, what it's doing to everybody in the industry is it's actually making it harder for all the independents to compete, right? And, and the advent of online uh, e-commerce is another uh, threat that's that's a threat to the independent. So what was our model going to do to bring to the game that was going to allow practices to be um, more financially solvent? And number one was simplicity with that price list. And number two was on that distribution model where they're getting a return. And now we're coming together even more as an independent industry because, again, you're not making just profit on your work going to the laboratory where you get a rebate back from at the, the other labs. You're making profit off every job going to the laboratory. So everybody is now complementing each other when they become a part of what our program is. And even if you don't get involved in an equity um, situation with our lab, just utilizing another independent laboratory the, the ramifications of that, the positive ramifications of that are so far reaching that I think we've all lost sight of what that really means for community, for American jobs, for being made in the USA. I mean, we, we can get deeper into this, but yeah. there's too many shell games involved in Priceless. And, and ours is just a simplistic, this is how it is. This is what it's about. And oh, by the way, you get really, really good service with it. That's that's we'll pretty much about, it. At the end. About that in a sec. So. Sure. This has always been a hot word, especially since I graduated, that this like shadow game of what real independence means, right? And it's hard, again, running the, the optical side as well as the medical side. So in the chat, do you consider yourself, like, do you lead with business with a little bit of science behind you? Do you lead with science and then the business kind of falls to the back? What kind of practitioner are in the chat. Um, and then also here, just throw this one to you. In work, working with so many different because you guys have now of ODs involved in this model, why why are they 
signing up for this? Why do they see the value of staying independent? So, and then I can put my spin on it on the contact lens side here. What does it really mean? And why are we not really understanding that we're the pawn in the entire system if we keep ordering a certain way? Yeah, independence is freedom. Uh, when people uh, go to school and they make the determination that they want to get into owning their own business, hanging the shingle, if you will, uh, they, they enter it with the understanding that I get to make my own decisions, practice how I want to practice, do what I want to do. Uh, and that's that's the core of it. And at the same time, what happens at, at the exact same time is your patients that come and see you make that decision when they choose which practice to get their examination from or what practice to buy their glasses from, they're, they're making a very visible decision that I'm going to buy from an independent doctor. They might not use that same uh, terminology, but they know uh, uh, eyes on Main Street uh, is an independent optical and vision works is not. Uh, it's very clear as day. Uh, and when they walk into those practices, they have a certain expectation that uh, that the doctor who's working with them and the practice as a whole is going to treat them like an independent company and care for them in that way. And I, I think so many different things are getting in a practice's way to truly be independent. I mean, elephant in the room, a managed vision care. Okay. You can't uh, manage vision care is essentially telling you doctor what you have to do. Uh, we're, we're the boss. And they go so far as to say, uh, these are our patients. These are our lives we cover. We're doing you a favor by allowing them to come into your practice. And that that's, uh, that's a horrible way, uh, one, uh, for, for that relationship to exist, but also it really beats down on that ability to be independent. You know, I, I like to compare what we're doing. We're not just we're not just an ally, and I think doctors don't look at us just as an ally. We're the sword and shield in the fight for freedom, if you will, against uh, uh, what's happening with consolidation, with restriction on uh, what practices could do. And, and that's what draws people to us uh, to start with. And what keeps them there is realizing when they lift the veil and say, okay, I'm interested in talking to you, but they have the trepidation that, well, maybe you don't have all the programs or tools or services or products. And then they find out not only do we have all that, we have more because we don't have the restrictions. We don't have a corporate guidance that says you have to focus exclusively on the profit first, but rather we have Brandon's guidance that says, we're taking care of the customer first, and then we're going to let the chips fall as they will. And it works. And, and then doctors tell other doctors, and here we are with a whole bunch of practices working with us. It, it's been very successful. And Brandon, we had a question come in on how does this work with VSP? And what about remakes? Can you spend a minute and talk a little bit about that? So some of us have to opt in. To VSP labs, some of us can opt out. There's obviously a Texas bill that's really hopefully getting passed and congratulations to Florida for Governor yes, DeSantis for vetoing yes. the bill where we can't call ourselves a physician. So this is what I want to kind of say, like we can do this if we mm -hmm. do this together and we're so powerful when we do fight together for that freedom and that independence. I mean, we went to school for a long time to take care of patient's vision and we just get out and I think can't even take care of our own vision, right? <laughs> which is what we went to school to do. Um, 
So how does it work with so PMP? So when you're an equity quick. partner here or another program that we have that's called a PMP, and I, I won't go into too much detail for time's sake, but on the equity model, when you become an equity owner, we are classified within VSP as a doctor-owned lab program. So we are a fully enabled VSP laboratory. We can do Unity and Tech Shield in-house. All of that from the managed care standpoint, at least in relation to VSP, um, we're enabled from an equity standpoint. But you know, to Jim's point on the managed care piece, they still have a lot of rules and regulations that that really kind of limit our ability to grow too, because we can only accept VSP work from our equity doctors. Any of our general customers, which actually makes up 67% of our volume, the equity owners don't make up the majority here, um, is uh, we can't take their VSP work. So that falls back into the managed vision care where they really pull the strings and control a lot of it. In, I'm gonna, I'm actually gonna turn over to Jim in a second to answer more of the opt-out answers because he's an expert when it comes to understanding the uh, the leverage that docs actually have that they have no clue that they have, or they don't have the backing or somebody to support them as they go through that process, because uh, I believe there's 13 states that have opt-out clauses and it covers the gamut from IMED to VSP and, and on and on and on. But that's that's Jim's um, you know, forte right there. And, and why don't you highlight on that, Jim, real quick? Yeah, it's it's very underused and it's uh, somebody worked really hard and and went to went to the floor of your of your state government and got it approved and uh, you should take advantage of it if you don't already and it's it, and it isn't for everybody I think uh, somebody has to do the due diligence to understand what are going to be the effects of deciding not to send my orders to a directed laboratory versus uh, uh, what the default uh, methodology is for working with companies like IMED, Spectera, Davis, but uh, you know someone like uh, like like our team and, and uh, my sales team and myself, uh, we're very good at having that conversation and getting the pencil out and looking through and making sure that this works well. We'll be the first to tell them, uh, hey, the doc, this isn't good for you, so you might as well stay on the trajectory that you're on, even though it means yeah. you're sending it to someone else. But not often is that the case, especially when they buy intelligently. It's not a hard process to participate in, and there's a lot of great people out there who can guide uh, folks in, in doing it correctly. Um, but but it's not uh, it's not the 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 end all. In addition to what Brandon mentioned, that we uh, you know most of our customers are general customers. We also have uh, uh, another member of our artisan lab network, Independent uh, Optical in Greensboro, North uh, Carolina, uh, that's now VSP approved. Uh, and they're capable of, of operating with traditional VSP contract status for or for, for practices. So I, I guess what we have is something for everybody. It's just a matter of understanding what's gonna be best for the practice guiding yeah. them through that process yeah and and brianna i just want I, I forgot to answer one of your questions too or, or at least the guest's question on the remake policy our policies are standard and they're they're uniform across the board with every big lab out there so you know our warranty policies are two time two year on our on our um, ar coatings and it's a uh one time uh one year on the doctor redo awesome and i want to just kind of go into this on the contact lens side and so I think so many of us, we're seeing so many patients a day, right? So this is not about seeing more patients. It's about servicing the patients that you see. Yeah. So on the contact lens side, most of us, right, we're doing all the heavy lifting and all the heavy work of getting the patient in the door, having them fill out their paperwork, having them show up for their appointment, then getting them through and doing the best eye exam that possible, right? And then when the patient gets to the front and they don't wanna order their glasses or their contact lenses and they're walking, we're dropping the ball 
at the one yard line. And I want to kind of highlight this a second, just especially on the contact lens side. So we saw practice this last weekend. They were seeing 15 patients a day, five working days, 52 weeks out of the year. So they're seeing on average 3,900 patients a year. 40% of them were contact lenses. That means 1,500 patients ran through it. And they had 30% of their patients were walking out of the door. So they're seeing 468 patients for these online retailers or other people to pick up, right? And so we're essentially, when we're printing a paper copy of a prescription, whether it's for contacts or glasses, we're essentially giving the patient homework. Who wants homework? Where are they going to go, right? <laughs> so here with $272 is the average spend through Dr. Contact Lens, this practice is letting $127,000 walk out of the door and not picking any of that up. And when you compound this on what's walking on the glasses front, mm -hmm. we just have a bunch of leaky buckets yeah. that everybody else is mining except for us. And so this, I think what I always am trying to drive home um, and educate myself is how can I be better at, at putting processes in place mm -hmm. that my staff can understand, that my patients can understand, that I'm making a smart business decision, but then again, servicing my patient and closing this gap very easily, I might add, but investing not only in the tech that you need on the back end, but on the process, right? So, so many yeah. people have come out and they're putting these little extra holes in our practice by adding more paperwork and more different channels for us to order. And it's all about the word consolidation, we think of it as a bad word, but it's consolidation within your practice to be more efficient. Um, so I just wanted to share that really quickly with everybody um, as we were just talking yeah. really about independence and freedom. It's not about seeing more patients. It's about servicing the ones that you already have and 100%. getting it over the goal line. Go heat tonight, by the way. <laughs> um, I don't know who to root for because I'll call Colorado, back. So I'm like, Brianna, I'll call back to what, what I said earlier is that your patients chose your practice for a reason. That's right. They knew when they were walking into your practice that, wow, this looks a lot nicer than uh, lens crafters in the mall. This is, this is going to be a different experience. They expect to have that conversation. And uh, we have to start protecting our patients so that they don't get too much noise. You mentioned yeah. rebates too. Rebates yeah. are a very dangerous proposition because I think we all know eventually those rebates are going to be the tool for a contact lens company to have a direct relationship with your patient. They're just sourcing, they're, they're mining the data. So uh, we, have to, we have to be very vigilant and strong with our customers. Yeah, I, I want to, I if I may, just real quick interject too. When you're talking about that customer retention rate, this does go back to the lab conversation, right? I mean, if you have customers that have been repeat consumers that are coming into your practice and you have a bad relationship with a bad laboratory that's putting your consumer retention rate at risk, when it takes 10 days for a job to get back to you, do you think they're coming back to see you when they're seeing the Warby Parker commercials or they're seeing other turn time in this and X, Y, and Z and simplifying their life in terms of getting a pair of glasses? That's not consumer retention. So even when you're talking about lab relationships and the importance of that, I, I, to this day, I still don't understand why people write, you know, the, the big corporations to check for their lab work every month. When if, if you were to come to me and tell me that the quality was so phenomenally amazing at all these big corporations that that's why you write them a check every month. Companies that are actively trying to put you out of business, by the way, 
then I, okay, I wouldn't have an argument there, but that's not what we hear. Everything we hear coming back to us from all of the independent practices is the service sucks, the quality sucks, and it takes 10 to 15 days for me to get my job back. Why do you keep sending your work there? 52% of our industry is independent ODs and ophthalmologists, right? So, but 52% of those RX orders are not going to independent labs. I don't care if you use our lab. I mean, I want you to, but there's 112, 113 independent laboratories that are in this country. We never get business from independent labs, nor would we take it. You know why? Because when customers go there, they stay there because the right. service is great. Yet we don't have a bunch of independent practices using independent laboratories. They're writing checks to the big corporations and then they're complaining about the service that they get. It's time to make a change and flip that. Customer retention is a big portion of what you just said because they, the, the consumer walks in your door because they have a perception, right or wrong, that you, Dr. Rue, at an independent practice gives a more comprehensive exam than the doctor sitting in the lens crafters. No disrespect to that doctor and the lens crafters. That is the perception within the industry, right? Or within the consumer base. However, well, that's we're also showing in their marketing, right? They right. have to, they're not good at that patient retention. They have to have like 50% new patients just to fulfill what's leaving. So fortunately within private practice, we get to, you know, live on that 23, 25% new patient ratio versus those 50, 65 percent. Um, but here, Brandon, it brings us really to that service. Mm -hmm. If you've not picked up the phone and um, really heard what patients are calling back to ask you, it's right. are my glasses ready? And we have all these things like they could have left four days ago and they're still calling. Like I ask right. my staff every week on our team meeting, what questions are coming in? Where can we improve? This is one where this phone call happens on the daily a lot where patients mm -hmm. are asking if their frames and lenses are ready. And if you think about it, if you're spending $1,000 or $1,500 or you bought two pairs or whatever mm -hmm. it was, right? Um, you better obviously be taking all of that. None of this half down, half pick up later. Um, but you've got to service that patient. So how do you guys as a lab connect those together? Jim, you want to throw in there? Yeah, your, your patients are the heart and soul of your practice. So we we have to figure out a way to keep them coming to your practice. Otherwise, we lose also. If they go buy their glasses from Zenny, guess what? We don't we don't do any business there either. Neither do you. So it's it's we have to make sure we do stuff there. So uh, one, Brandon touched on this. We we walk into practices all the time, and I'm shocked still when people say, "Hey, it's taking us two weeks turnaround time. How long does it take for you?" We just want to hope that we can get it in less than two weeks, and we're we're going, well, this is, this is a like, bar, set in the bar real high. Yeah, the, the bar, yeah, like, bar is set easy. very differently because our turnaround time and, and to Brandon's earlier point, the turnaround time to general independent uh, laboratories is pretty incredible uh, uh, just because they don't overwhelm their, uh, their systems to the point where they can't properly take care of the, of the job going through. But in addition to just the production of a pair of glasses and doing that efficiently and doing it with, uh, uh, without a whole lot of, uh, we call it breakage, it doesn't mean the lens split in half, but something didn't pass quality inspection, uh, making sure that that's done properly and out of the laboratory, the, the other side of it is giving tools and resources to opticians so that they can interact with their patients in a much easier way. We talked about the price, uh, uh, the way we construct our price list earlier. We, we uh, completely dismantled it and built it around the way that a practices, uh, 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 practice management software system would input that information in as far as having uh, uh, 
lens pricing, like material upgrades consistent amongst all the different designs and styles so that the optician doesn't have to sit there scratching their head going, I'm trying to have a good conversation and get a pair of glasses sold, but the complexities of my lab's pricing make it very difficult for me to understand what I'm supposed to do. We wanted to take that off the table. And then we built all these really neat uh, 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 programs that gave packages uh, or bundles, we call them lens systems, but the concept is, why don't we give the optician the perfect combination of products to use at the right price in a way that they could then position it to their patient. So it's, it's building all that stuff to give them an arsenal of tools uh, so that they can take care of the patient uh, rather than just say, you got to sell this one brand all the time or right. uh, try to figure out ways to, to give them. This is all uh, universally available uh, with different manufacturers. It's a very easy thing. We're not trying to dictate what they do in the practice. We just want to give tools to help them be successful. So that's, right. that's how we look at servicing. And I think, Brandon, you said something earlier there about really kind of where we are within our practices, right? We've got a lot going on. You walk in, sometimes you have to do payroll, your fire extinguisher is about to expire, and you have to get that service. <laughs> your slit lamp stops working, you have two employees that didn't show up, right? So a lot of this does come to bandwidth and change. Like no one really likes to change, right? We get comfortable right. and that's where we have an issue. And so I've always been that practitioner where it's like, where can we kind of go in a little deeper and continue to move forward. Yes, we do it great, but where can we continue to improve, right? So even if it's 1% better than you were yesterday, you're making a positive change versus that negative change of staying the same. Um, and I'll throw in a public service announcement here for everybody. So last week before the show that we went to, we were doing some pre-call work. So we were, you know, we invest to go to these shows as vendors to be there to support the industry. So the industry is a circle, right? Vendors support you as an optometrist to get you to a meeting, you've got to go and support your vendors who then can re-support you. So it's the cycle of life within the business. So when I was personally calling offices and inviting them to our booth, I would give probably 75% of the pickups of the calls that first five minute, five seconds of the phone call an F. So if you are not understanding how your staff is just simply answering the phone, you're not even getting to service your patients. Mm -hmm. Your patients are calling you as a service to do business with you. So rushed, couldn't understand what they were saying. So, so and I, we've been like, after going through that, I like, damn sure called my office and I was like, all right, we gotta like make sure we got this on point, right? Because that one first experience can really make or break you. And if you're just pleasant on the phone, right? And I get it at that moment. Yes, I was a sales rep. I was trying to, you know, get you over to a booth and just introduce myself. But I invested a lot to be there for you to have a nice weekend. You can give me one minute right. on the phone, right? Definitely. But it was Definitely. like, hello, this is so-and-so. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Who did I call? One office hung up on me four times. Yes, I did call back a couple of times but just blatantly hung up on me. And here I was kind of throwing like that doctor in the mix there. Like I didn't at first, right? At some point I'm Brianna, at some points I'm Dr. Rue, but I was like, oh no, that just did not happen. Like the first <laughs> two times, like I did thought I get disconnected, but then I actually got hung up on a couple of times. But just something so simple, you know, thank you for choosing Westboro Eye Care. This is Brianna. 
how can I help you? And whom do I have the pleasure of speaking with? Mm-hmm. Like something so little. Right. And as patients are shopping, they're shopping you for if you're actually kind. Yeah. So we try to do all these little things to improve our practices like this call, right? Moving your lab, it's a little heavy of a lift, right? Mm-hmm. Let's not lie. But it does take some doing. But something as simple as answering the phone, that could be done today, yeah. right? Yeah. So spot check your people. Come up with a script and start to give your your practice kudos because you're going to actually be able to turn some of those patients that they call the practice up the street because you didn't take their vision plan and they had obviously a, you know, a nasty person answer the phone. They might just call you back or you may have an opportunity right there to do business with somebody. So I was yeah. about to take to LinkedIn on the streets there on Friday. <laughs> I called about 35 locations. I was like, oh my God. Um, well, Brianna wow. too, just to back up what kind of you're saying, if we actually look at what the root cause of potentially somebody being rude, right? And it goes back to when you were talking about change. It, it, don't you think that a lot of the people that are rude in the practice that are short-tempered or what you were talking about bandwidth, right? We're all struggling with bandwidth, on, especially on our side of the world, you know, building a bunch of laboratories. But what is the root cause of your shortage in bandwidth, right? And you already said it, it's jobs are taking too long. They're having to pick up the phone and call, check where that job is with the laboratory. You got a consumer coming in going, why is my job not here? Think of the amount of labor hours that are spent in negative situations where they're having to hunt down a job from a laboratory that you should not spend any time doing, right? That comes back to the service that we're getting from the industry and the big giants in the industry. And it is all of them that are that are performing yeah. at this level. COVID exposed it, right? They all outsourced to other countries. They're not doing it in, in America anymore for the most part. Um, and, and so the, the the outsourcing and the nearshore and offshoring was exposed during COVID. And the, the independents saw this big influx of customers. We, we were parlayed to that as well. But that's probably why you have so many frustrated opticians. We deal with it too. We hear the stress in their voice when they're calling here. Thank God I'm not in customer service because I have zero patients. But the if we look at the root cause of maybe why they're so stressed out and why you're seeing a ton of burnout among opticians across the board throughout, we have a major shortage in talent in this industry on opticians. A big portion of that is burnout because they get tired of customers screaming in their face because the service coming back to them from the lab side of it or whatever vendor that you're using is, is not of quality. And then you have a pissed off consumer coming in your door. And, and if we just stop for one second and realize that at the end of the day, we are all consumers in every single thing that we do, whether you're buying a pack of gum, filling up your tank of gas, you expect to get what you pay for, right? You do. But we, for, we forget that when we walk in the door to work, that we are servicing consumers. And we have an opinion on one side, but then we forget that we have to give that same service back when we are taking care of patients, especially in eye care, where nobody really wants to buy glasses. It's like putting tires on your car. I got much better things that $1,400 could go to than tires or to glasses, but you have to have it. So you it's better eyelashes, get some- Brandon. I need my eyelashes. I, I didn't want to bring up my eyelashes, but you're right. Those can be very expensive. <laughs> and um, But you want service. You want what you paid for, right? And that's a really lacking aspect in our industry. However, if you look at all the independents, and I don't mean just laboratories, Dr. Contact Lens, um, Joe and his team over at SpecCheck, bringing a new element for the way you order lenses that's not owned by a corporation. There are independent solutions in every aspect of your business that people are not capitalizing on that will simplify what you do on a day-to-day basis, lower that stress, which in turn, the end result, great service to the consumer, which means 
customer retention, right? That, that's but it's the also practice retention for you for the future, right? If, 100%. We, if we get this train, which is kind of reared off the tracks a little bit, right? If we can slow this down and kind of go back internal, right? Yeah. I know it's more comfortable to maybe do business with a bigger corporation. That's kind of what we've you know, come to understand. But if you just take that little bit of energy and that little bit of effort to do business with that, at the end of the day, you know, small business, corporations labeled it small business to keep you in your place. That's right. right? It's independent business. I hate that word small business because <laughs> I know a lot of guys that own businesses that are doing a hundred plus million a year. I wouldn't call that small by any stretch. Independent, right? Because the corporations labeled us to make sure we knew where our place is. You're spot on exactly. with that. However, I do want to challenge you on, on your comment there. It's a, it's a little easier to do business with the big corporations. Is it? I mean, is it really at the end of the day or do they make you feel that it's easier to do business? Because Everybody we talk to, that's not the response. I think it's a comfort thing, right? I think it's like, oh, well, everybody's doing it. I might as well, you know, jump off the bridge too. So I think that's a lot of this, that a lot of that mentality. So if you can kind of just sit back and understand it a little bit more. I mean, we went to optometrical, we learned all of this stuff. You can learn a little bit of this and go a long way, which only 5%, 10% of us are doing, right? That's right. right. What I think if we kind of bring this back to being patient centric is what's best for your patients, really best for your business. You guys are constantly adding on, like we're obviously Dr. Funtech Lens is a tech company, right? And tech is never done. As our visual habits are changing, what are you, what advancements are you guys making um, within your lab to bring us better quality products and really help take care of the visual needs of our patients? We just took that. Uh, exclusivity for distribution of a lens line that globally is revered as sort of the technological leader uh, and uh, kind of the the top pillar of of new methodologies to make lenses. That's Tokai. So uh, Tokai lenses, they they, uh, boast the world's thinnest lens. It's a 176 ultra high index. We're releasing that uh, through, through our laboratories. Uh, which is going to be significant. Uh, and we don't have the official numbers that I could cite for you, but it makes a big difference from even 174 uh, when you have a high, uh, high scripted patient. And then uh, to, to complement that, we have the lens designs from Tokai, which are incredible. They have NeuroSelect, which is a product that uh, I'll let Brandon speak to a bit because he he absolutely uh, embodies sort of the concept of, of what they're doing. But right now they they basically start with a lens in every other lens manufacturer, and they just try to use math and physics to say how could we make it wider, clearer, and sharper. And we've gotten to that point of diminishment where it's very insignificant, the advances from one lens to the next, but they don't charge that way. They charge a whole lot more so that they can make more money. And then the insurance companies don't pay you more. So now you're, it, it doesn't end up being a positive effect. Uh, Tokai developed some new technologies that really made it a lot easier for a patient to wear. Brandon, you want to speak on that? Yeah, I mean, they, they, the way they looked at the game, and first of all, just to back up, and I'll try and keep this as quick as I can, but just to back up, you know, 30 years ago, there was differentiation in lens design technology. You know, Verilux ran the gamut since the, the 80s, 90s, whenever, and they were superior. There was no question about that in traditional processing methodologies. The advancements to freeform technology and the equipment now that is out there available basically brought everybody from a lens design standpoint to an even plane. Now it's up to the laboratory on how they're producing that design, how they're maintaining their equipment, right? We basically reached the pinnacle 
of lens design technology. There are a few um, outliers like the camber lens from IoT has always been a phenomenal sell seller for us. Our remake ratios are very low. Tokai though took it to a different level on where they came up with the ide ideology and methodology to create this lens. They took 26,000 plus people, I'm paraphrasing the number, but it was a lot um, in a study and they took pretty much every progressive lens designed on the planet. And what they did was they measured the emotional response from the brain on how people react to putting on a pair of progressive lenses. And to get a baseline for that study, they took single vision lenses, made them wear single vision and measured what that emotional response would be to the single vision lens. Then they went and that was the baseline. Then they went through all of the different progressive designs from all of the competitive companies and they watched what the brain would do emotionally to respond to that progressive lens coming on. So it's looking at non-adapt ratios or reasons in a completely different spectrum, right? It's looking at how does the emotional response from the brain, not can you see good, can you see out here is, how does your brain perceive the vision in this lens? Some great, some not. They took all that data and they compiled and then that's how they came up with their neural select design. And they claim to have a 1% global non-adapt redo ratio, which if, if, if in fact proved to be true, that is um, significantly lower by, you know, 20, 30% than what the industry averages. And so yeah. they've gone and done it different. And oh, by the way, Tokai, completely independent company, not owned by anybody and have been for 84 years. So another reason that we aligned our forces with them. So yeah. I think what's interesting here is just really looking at it. You said it too, Brennan, is really looking at it from the patient consumer experience, right? They're coming from you. It's They own their record. We're just the holders of it, right? So, so many of us are just, you know, playing that kind of game of trying to grasp onto these patients. And if you just lead with kindness and service in what we all do, the patients will stay with you. We just have to make it easy and convenient for them to get the products and services that they deserve. Um, Craig is asking a question here. How about unique Plano and a Sun RX program that is not Maui, Costa, or Oakley? Unique Plano and Sun RX program that is not Maui Costa. Well, a unique, unique Plano Sun RX program. I mean, Jim is the, the captain creator of anything uh, unique programs that we can come up with that cater. And even if it's for one account, but um, I will, I'm going to highlight younger optics here and say that they have the best polarized lenses on the planet in new polar, right? Uh, Maui Jim and Oakley and Costa and the rest of those, those, their background is, is frames. It's not lenses that they're not out there being specialized in lenses. They're out there specialized in frames. Younger Optics, they built their whole company based off polarized lenses. And since the 1950s with David Ripp Sr., hands down the best polarized lens out there. You want us to create a, a RX Sun Plano program for you that's not the big corporates? We got you. And nice. we have partnerships with a litany of independent frame companies that you all know and love that are independent, that people probably don't realize that are independent, that we could partner with that exclude that big corporate branded product. All right. Well, this brings us back to our last question here. So our is typically our biggest expense. And I hate to even put payroll here as an expense. Like my people are not an expense, right? So I just want to be right. clear when I say that. Um, we look so much to the times of payroll as this big thing. Um, it's an investment in your people and you have to keep investing in your people. And I think that's what I'm seeing across the board is how stressed the practices are. It is, it's making your staff do lower bandwidth stuff that they're just exhausted on doing. Humans yeah. were here to really connect and drive forward on innovation and we're just all kind of stuck. And so it's important that you get them involved. Why, why should we pay attention to 
our lab bill and how do you guys make it easy at Pacific Artisan to do this? Jim? Jim, me or Jim, either one. Yeah, um, well, you, you brought up the most important thing. It's the biggest check you're gonna write typically outside of your practice as a single uh, check that you got to sign or maybe you don't get anymore and you put it online, but hey, nevertheless, it's the biggest payment that you're making. So, yeah, and it's also the biggest opportunity to move the needle if, you need, if you're going to change something in your practice. If your cost of goods are out of line, you know, the, the obvious solution is let's take a look at it. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to find a lab that's going to charge less. Sometimes it does. Sometimes you're paying a lot more than you ought to be paying. Or, uh, you know, in the in the corporate world, I'll say those people that never made a comment about their pricing always seem to never have a price adjustment that was positive to them until they made that comment about their pricing. In our world, it doesn't work like that, thankfully. But uh, it, it's, you know, in part the cost of goods discussion, but it's also in part how you buy. And having your staff look through and work with your reps so that they can give some guidance to the appropriate product combinations. Uh, we, we, we talked about it earlier. It's so much easier sometimes. It feels so much easier to work with a corporation. Maybe it's because their their marketing is sexy and they got neat uh, brochures and it's just, it's, we're all compelled to look at it. But the reality is, uh, you're paying for it. Uh, you're paying for all that stuff. It's all built in the cost of, of, of the product that you're buying. And your lab reps can tell you, uh, just like we had mentioned about non-adapt rates on particular products, you know, we, we know what's happening with products. We know what's successful. Now we know what's not successful and we can give a lot of guidance. Uh, you, you get, you know, any of our reps can walk a practice through uh, the, the way to, to optimize what the dispensers are doing because our reps are also, you know, optical consultants that specialize in doing exactly that. Uh, not just in title, but in actual practice. That's what they've also done in the past. So it's, uh, it, there's a lot of opportunity there, but also, the laboratory is the segment of our industry that probably makes the most money, makes the most money. Uh, and they're the most margins and profits out of laboratories. And, that, and that's really why it's so compelling to, to, to break back to this whole concept of our artisan invest uh, theory of come in and take ownership in the laboratory and participate on that level and have some guidance as to uh, where we go and have some ownership to control the supply chain and then get access to some of those uh, uh, profits that could be put back in your pocket. And I think that's really where a big, huge opportunity is lost because it hasn't been opened before, really until Brandon opened up uh, Pacific Artisan and said we could do this and we could build a model that works for everybody. And here we are. So how, Brandon, do people get a hold of Pacific Artisan Labs and kind of walk through what that would look like to change laboratories, um in, in a few minutes here. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So we, we do a full vetting process. If somebody wants to join us and and um uh they want to they want to consider the equity model, obviously we go through a non-disclosure agreement first and, and then we uh, they can contact us through uh, info at pacificartisanlabs.com and um and they can reach out and say, hey, we're interested in, in learning more about the equity or the PMP program or just a general customer because we hear your quality. It's great. Right. So if they reach out to us and they initiate that conversation, that email goes to Jim, myself and Rachel. And um, one of us will pick that up. Typically, Jim is the one that, that capitalizes on that, does an intro call to 
um, the account kind of finds out what they're looking for. And then we, we just kind of start working down that angle of what's important to the practice. Just because doctors call us doesn't mean we want to partner with them either, right? I mean, the synergy and the vibe has to be, our vision has to be shared. We're not, I am not monetarily driven. I am driven by the passion to prevent the consolidation of this industry and retain the fragmentation that makes it so special and the reason why I got and fell in love with it. So we want people that share that vision. So we're going to do a vetting process just as much as you guys are vetting us when you're looking for a laboratory. We're doing the same with you, right? We're not a take-all type of laboratory. Um, and then once we kind of figure out what the what the end game goal is for the practice, then we we start putting pieces together. We share our business plan with them. We start going through a pro forma. We start looking at regionality. If we're going to open up another lab because we've already filled up the ownership group, like we have our lab in Denver, Colorado that we're opening right now called Peak Artisan Labs. It'll be open here in a couple of weeks. Um, and we've already filled out the ownership group for that. So now we've got a whole bunch of new doctors calling saying, hey, we want to buy in. We're looking at a regionality footprint and we'll go build more. And we're going to continue to duplicate this model until we've exhausted every independent doc that wants a share of the ownership in labs. And, you know, at the end of the day, our goal is to be bigger than Walman ever was. Um, and so to answer your question simplistically, it's info at pacificartisanlabs.com. Um, and, and we'll get back to you as soon as possible and see if there's a synergy there. Awesome. And I think what it comes down to really, again, when we started this, it is about investing in your practice. So what we've done at Dr. Contact Lens is that same thing, right? You're going to invest in a process. You're going to invest in some tech that's taking care of you. Uh, and that's important, right? So I think it does come down to you guys holding kind of the optician's hands and everybody in there feeling confident about a new process and understanding change. Um, so here, if you want to learn more about Dr. Contact Lens, you can scan that QR code. So we can, again, learn more about your practice. We have like a no jerk rule as well as you guys do because um, really life's too short, right? We want to do peace, people with um, do right with business here yeah. so we can continue to do that. So at Dr. Contact Lens, again, it's just making this simple so you can continue to really be there for your, your patients. An old stat that I read in 20, it's from 2018, 2019, um, online retailers sold contact lenses to 15 million patients and didn't do a single eye exam. So we're the ones doing all this hustle and bustle. And then again, leaving it at the one yard line. And like one of the online retailers just sold their 50 millionth pair of oh. frames. And you can probably guess which one it was, um, but we're not getting any of that action. And so it does come down to servicing your patient and being within certain price points um, and really doing business with the practices and the patients that love you. So um, if we ended at, on one note, Brandon, what would you say to doctors or opticians out there? I just, I take a look in the mirror, look at who you're supporting, you know, um, and, and I'll make it brief, but you have to remember the giants of this industry that control everything that we're doing, right? And even us at the laboratory can't get away from having to pay the big boys all royalty in some facet, whether it's vision web or affinity or whatever, we've got to pay every time an order comes into our lab. So there's, there's ways like spec check is an answer to getting away from that. But um, I would say that consider the totality of what they are doing. They're multinational companies that are not from America. They come from countries that do not have independent doctors like you, Dr. Rue, and they, they're retail based, right? They're retail backed. So they don't share the same culture and same vision that we do here in the United States. And the consolidation, what they're doing in this industry by buying up laboratories and buying up practices, 
shutting down those entities and outsourcing that work to other countries, it's got a bigger effect than just you and I. It's got a bigger effect than that laboratory. It's got a bigger effect. Those tax dollars are leaving that community. Uh, American jobs are being lost, so on and so forth. There is way too much independence in this industry across the board in every aspect of what you do in your practice from consumables, every vendor you could think of, there's an independent solution for that. And I would say highly recommend look in the mirror, consider who you are supporting and who actually has your back at the end of the day. Doesn't have to be us. Like I said, I don't care if it's us. Uh, I'd love it if you gave us an opportunity, but I could give you a list of 40 independent laboratories out there that are amazing service and do an incredible job just like we do. And I think that people just need to get away from drinking the Kool-Aid of the big marketing corporations and look at alternatives that are in it to win it with you, period. At the end of the day, we're all on the same team. They are not on your team. They just want your business. They don't care about you. Jim. It's going to be hard to say it any better, but uh, you, the, the independent ECP has all the power in the world to make the decision and change their trajectory. Uh, everything he mentioned is absolute truth. And if you're an independent business, well, look in the mirror and start there. Uh, start deciding where you're going to buy your products from, whether it be frames or lenses or, or whatever the case is. It's much easier than you think. And it's as simple as picking up the phone, having that conversation and saying, guide me through this process. And uh, we could help any of the sales reps out there that, are, that exist out there could give great guidance on this. But it, it starts with actually making a decision to do something. And uh, it's sometimes hard, but uh, it pays so many uh, times over by actually uh, jumping in the, the water and the cold water, just doing it. So, yeah. yeah. What about you, Dr. Rue? I Roo? think we always, you know, the first question, I, what I want people to understand is really just the data that's at play here um, and that we're really living in an abundant, abundant world. We need to be scared by what's happening. We just have to take action. And I think that it's about staying curious, like what Steve Vargo preaches all the time is it's just about being curious, right? We took an optometric oath to stay curious and bring the best products to our patients to service their vision. We took that oath and it is very serious and we have to do that and can do that to stick together. So like, look at what we did in Florida when we band together, right? Are you part of your pack? Are you supporting your local optometrist? Are you supporting other states? Like I signed Texas's, you know, petition to get that involved. Like just kind of look outside of your, your four walls of your dark exam lane. Um, and I get it. We're up against staff. We're up against that. But you are the leader. You're the business owner. Come in with that smile on your face. Pick up the piece of trash blow off the leaves in the front, answer the phone a couple of times and seeing what patients are wanting, right? That's what you have the honor to do every day. Um, and it's about an investment. Like so many people come to Dr. Contact Lens, they're like, whoa, it costs money? <laughs> like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, yeah, it does. <laughs> um, but that's like how we, how we help service you um, and give you a customer success manager and give you the support that you need in business, right? We all, at the end of the day, have businesses and it, businesses take people to run and fabulous people, I might add. So that's what you're supporting along the way and all of that. So just share in that, get your user groups together, call other doctors on what they're doing. Um, 
and just have fun with it. Like I think, you know, 2020 was just like a dampening on everything. I read a book where it was just kind of talking about like the roaring 20s and um, how that came about in the 70s came about, right? Because of a pandemic. And I think that there can be this shift in our sales to really get back to that excitement that we had leading into 2020 and really get that one year, three year, five year, 10 year vision. We haven't been thinking about that for a long time because we were just so scared about lasting, right? Well, we right. did it guys, we did it. So you can come out on this other side, um, just so fabulous and amazing and you know, stay true to what you went to school to do. Um, and you have great supporters here at Pacific Artists and Labs. Jim, Brian, I mean, we have conversations, you know, often they're there to support you. They're there to help you. You just have to have, you know, the reach out. Um, so that's mm -hmm. what I would kind of, of leave on. So Amen. anything else, guys? Thank okay. you very much for letting us uh, to be out here and talk to all these good people. So perfect, perfect. Super well, grateful. we'll send out a replay and some just kind of highlights of this, and we'll also connect an ebook to this that we just wrote over at Doctor Contact Lens, just kind of helping you navigate all of this. And again, guys, I don't care who you're giving your data to. Just use it yourself. Like that's all I that's all I ask of you right. is you're giving your data away for a 1%, 2%, or for free um, when they should pay, be paying you $124 for that patient's information. So on who you're doing business with and make sure that you're putting yourself in the ring um, to do it. So that's what I'll kind of leave on. And thank you guys so much for joining us today. And you can check out Pacific Artists and Labs and Dr. Contact Lens and here everything else. So thank you guys for joining. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Happy Wednesday. Um, hope you guys get some breakfast over there and some lunch and go kill it with your patients. So thank you so everybody. much. All right. Take care. Good day. Bye.